Hey guys, it's me, Julia. I just wanted to start the show by saying thank you so much for listening. It's been such a fun ride so far. Um, most of you probably know that I've never done a podcast before, so this has been a really learning experience for me, and I hope that you guys are taking away some good, fun facts from all these entrepreneurs. And also, a huge thank you to the two people who left me awesome five-star reviews on iTunes, and I would just like to point out that they are not related to me, so that is awesome and I love the reviews and it's been uh, so fun to just hear your feedback on the show so anyway just wanted to start out by saying thank you and now on with the show And welcome to the Company You Keep podcast. I'm your host, Julia Hahn. Today we are in San Francisco in the studio of Hatcher with Christina Weber. Hey, Christina. Good morning. Thank Hello. you so much for having me here today. Just to paint you guys a little picture, um, her studio is absolutely beautiful. All white walls, uh, hardwood floors. We're in the heart of North Beach. There's trolleys and, and bus noise and church bells going on outside. So it's really like an authentic San Francisco experience. <laughs> yes, it's a very noisy, active place. Yeah, which can be so inspiring, I bet, just being like in San Francisco in general. <laughs> it is, and we're, we're actually right on the sidewalk. We're a storefront, so we get to see the neighborhood walk by. Um, so nice. And we've been here about a year, so we've gotten to know a lot of the people who live Maybe down the street or up on Telegraph Hill or up on Russian Hill. Um, wonderful people, lots of children. There's a lot of. Really? Yes. I wouldn't very have that. I know. You wouldn't think of North Beach as a family place. No. I thought they all lived in the marina. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thankfully, no. Um, lots of families that have lived here. Um, that have just moved in, that have lived here for 30 or 40 years. Oh, cool. Really um, wonderful people. Lots of preschools and schools, um, even up through junior high. So we see a lot of children walking by. That's cool. Um, Yeah. So you design here, I can tell, because when I walked in, you were actually literally working on a design, which is really fun to see. Yes. Um, And is this also a retail store? Can people stop in here and shop? They can. Okay. Yes. Cool. It's Kind of semi-retail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we use this as our design studio, but all of our product is here. It's on display, and we, you know, we we keep all the stock here. We do our shipping um, fulfillment from here. So yes, we love it for people to come in and visit and actually get to see you know, the products and touch them. That's so cool that you can see the product and see the process in the same place. Like that's really rare for people to be able to touch and see and see how things are made. And for those of you who aren't familiar with um, Christina's work in Studio Patro, you're a textile designer and you specialize in linens, um, aprons, tea towels, flower sack towels. Is that... Yes. Sound like it. Kitchen linens. Kitchen linens. Yeah. Yeah. And they're absolutely beautiful. Visit her website for sure, studiopatro.com. And actually, our retail store, Truck and Barter, is selling a selection of your products too. So we're like super excited. Um, Truckandbarter.co is our website if you want to shop her, uh, the selection that I've chosen from her line. But the whole line is really beautiful. So I really just want to start out by hearing your story. Where did you, what's your background and how long have you been, I guess, an entrepreneur and how long have you owned Studio Patro? Um, my story goes back a ways. Um, I've had a, a number of different careers. Studio Patro just started almost six years ago now. Okay. So, but my transition at that time was 
um, came after being a graphic designer for about 30 years and having oh, cool. my own company. Um, first in Denver, Colorado, and then um, I moved to San Francisco 20 years ago. So I've had a full-fledged graphic design company with um, that even moved from being very corporate, annual reports, identities, a lot of branding work, to uh, when I moved to San Francisco to doing a lot of catalog design oh, and art cool. direction of photography for um, product catalogs, mostly Williams-Sonoma oh, nice. and the like. So, um, and then going back even further than the graphic design, I started out after college as an art teacher. Oh, okay. So, so you always have had a, like an artistic flair in all of your, because sometimes I'll sit down with creative entrepreneurs and they'll be like, I was a banker. And it's like, Not how are you me. going from that to this? But that's a nice progression. You know, you study, did you study graphic design? I studied as, art education it, okay. and graphic design wow. in college. Um, loved teaching, taught for about five years, everything from kindergarten through high school art. Um, loved it, but at the same time was doing some graphic design on the side and, uh, and loved it. So I, I moved into that, started a firm, you know, became an entrepreneur right away. Okay, so this entrepreneurial spirit has always been in you, it sounds like. Yes, yeah. it's just been part of me. I um, don't think I really ever considered anything else. Okay. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Uh, but um, my dad was an entrepreneur, had his own business his whole life, so I think it was just something I'd grown up with and seen, and it what didn't seem like a big step or anything very scary. Right, that's just interesting. You saw that it was a possibility from a young age, which is not a lot of people get that exposure. Exactly. So they're not even sure they can do it. But that's really interesting that your dad was an entrepreneur too. too. (laughs) So I think some of it is you go into it blindly almost, you know. Um, You're like, this is just my path. It is. It was. It is still. (laughs) I can't get away from it. Um, And, you know, it's, it's, it's a juggle. It's a wonderful thing to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I feel blessed that I've always been able to um, make a living this way. Um, you know, but it's a double-edged sword in some ways, too. Mm-hmm. You are kind of working 24-7. Yes. You know, you have to regulate that a little bit more. That's actually a very common theme of this show. Like, yeah. all of us have all talked about not having regular days off and how your mind's always working at trying to build your business, right? So you're like thinking about maybe your next design or your next client or something. So it's really hard to turn off work and have a life. So you really have to like kind of merge your work and life to be one thing when you're an entrepreneur. You do. I've, I've learned how to regulate it a little bit. And some of my habits aren't exactly, you know, admirable, but... <laughs> Um, like when I go home, I can't read through um, wonderful design magazines or okay. um, anything that is where I'm looking for inspiration because it really gets my brain going Okay, again. that's interesting. So your way to unplug is to not do what some people actually would consider unplugging is like going on Pinterest and, no. and looking at stuff like that. That's, that's like too stimulating and that's work for you. Exactly. That's a good word, stimulating. I try to unstimulate okay. in, in the areas of design or sometimes there's, a, there's another thing about being an entrepreneur that I'm going to bring up, which is the old compare and 
and you, maybe you've heard this expression, compare and despair. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, if you're always looking at things that are inspirational, um, for me at least, sometimes it's I can go on to overload and just then feel like I'm not doing enough. Right. Because an as an entrepreneur and a creative person, you're always trying to come up with the next design, mm-hmm. um, keep design moving along, always be inspired. And that constant um, stimulation often brings comparison yeah. to everything else that's going on in the world. And there's so much wonderful stuff going on. So if you go, if you, I have if you always feel like you're coming up short. <clears throat> I feel like I'll work on something and I'll love it and I'll be in my little zone and I'll and I'll have a finished product and I'll think it's so great. And I'm like really proud of myself. And then I get on Pinterest and I'm like, oh my gosh, like they're doing this something so much better. And I start second guessing myself. And that's something I've been kind of like battling and trying to get away from in my career a little bit. How do you kind of stay focused and stay disciplined and not second guess yourself all the time? I mean, your designs are really original and modern and poppy and cool. How do you kind of like stay focused on that? It's... Part of it is I now that I have my own uh, product business where I'm designing the product and, and not just doing graphic design for somebody else's business, I decided one of my first rules was I get to do with that what I want. That's a good rule. <laughs> and, you know, almost six years into this, I'm, I'm finding myself, you know, I've got enough data about sales and what works and doesn't work that I'm starting to second my guess myself there, too. But, oh, okay. But... You just really go to um, let's find something that feels new and original to me. Um, And I do believe that there isn't, you know, it's not that I have to do something original that's never been done before. Right. Um, I think most of design, maybe all of design, is derivative. I don't think there's much of oh, anything that's really that's original That's what we anymore. learned in design school. Like, because I yeah. studied interior design, and it was like, you, no one designs in a vacuum. Like, we're always being inspired by everything around us and other designers and artists. So right. it's just inevitable. So I kind of see what interests me. I kind of know I'm going, oh, I'm designing into for fall and winter, not for spring and summer. You know, there are things that dictate somewhat what you're doing, you know, color-wise or... Um, what the design motif is, but um, the real joy comes when you do something that's original, and I get that from sketching. Hmm, okay. From putting pencil on paper and just filling the old-fashioned way. Yeah, yeah. It, and what happens there is some can be days and days of just you know junk. <laughs> stuff that doesn't work at all. Okay, that's the hard part of designing. But but then there'll be something that. Um, that keeps coming back up and looking mm-hmm. good, and you redo it a little bit and keep sketching, keep drawing, um, eventually get it onto the computer. and um, So all that quote-unquote junk is like a very important mm-hmm. part of the process, right? It is. Junk's not a good word. What's a better <laughs> word? It's uh, Evolution of design really yeah, is right. what it is. Yes. And you're not going to find that perfect design like the first time you put your pencil down on paper, and that's no. kind of the point of... And, you know, after clearly more than, you know, 30, almost 40 years of designing in some ways, I'm still putting stuff up on the wall, you know, thinking it's wonderful, coming in the next morning going, oh, yeah, I I like it. It's not good. It doesn't fit in with the brand. It's um, not going to go forward, start over. 
How and long is that process for you? Like if you come up with a design, how long do you kind of mull it over for lack of a better term before you decide to put it into production? Or is there anything um, that you're just like, I you know, know this can, is right? Rarely. Okay. Rarely. I, I really look at it sometimes over a couple of months. Okay. Um, there's no sit down, design something and put it into production that quickly. I think it has to, it not only has to simmer a little bit um, before it's done, but I, I just have to really see it with everything else. Mm-hmm. When I'm putting a design up on the wall, it's also in conjunction with everything that else that we're in production on or that is being produced right now, part of the line. So, th- Because a lot of what I'm doing with the tea towels, at least, is kind of a mix and match. Mm-hmm. They all kind of blend together, but they're all different, right? Right. The colors, I think, are the same across the line. Colors change a little bit from season to season. Um, the fabrics are the same, either an oyster or an oatmeal linen. And then the color palette is something I've spent a lot of time on, both in coming up with the colors are and then going over and mixing the inks with our silk screening crew. Okay. Um, the colors are not out of the bottle. They're really... <laughs> They're like all custom. <laughs> They're very subtle. They're yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. I absolutely love them. So um, back to your process a little bit. There are three people that work here, which I had asked you off the air. Yes. Um, are they involved in the design process? And how do you take like, uh, c- not criticism, but do people kind of say like, oh, I like that or I don't like that? Or is it just you in terms of design and what goes to print? Well, I'm really doing the design, but... Connie and Julie, who work with me here, are really integrally involved in the critiques. And I really rely on them and their opinions because they really know our company and the brand. Um, But I really rely on them to come up and say, "Mm, out of all these different stripe patterns, I like this one best and this is why. And it isn't just about what will sell well or what what won't. But... um, you know, they just bring kind of a fresh perspective. Right. I feel like I, when I'm designing stuff, or like right now I'm designing our website for Truck and Barter, and I kind of can get tunnel vision a little bit. And I have to step back, and I have to ask Rob, and I have to ask people, like, is this looking right? Does this look balanced? And I'll get a whole new perspective when I ask for somebody else's opinion. Right. And it's really nice, as I think, a designer to work with people that you trust like that. Yes. And, and then I kind of know when to really go with my own intuition, too. Or I, I try to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've honed that skill over time. I mean, when to really trust yourself and when you know something's right. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's just, I'm going to do this because it's what I like. It doesn't always work out, yeah. you know, to be your bestseller. I think what's really fun is um, when something you do that you have an intuition about um, and you put it out there in the world, and it really is well-received. Isn't that um, the best feeling in the world? <laughs> or it at least advances. But, you know, the other thing that, that's been, I'll just bring this up, the um, our tea towels that have a lot of words on them mm-hmm. have been really popular. But I don't want to be a company of, you know, word-driven tea towels. Okay. Just popular sayings on tea towels mm-hmm. at all. So I've really resisted that. And still do a lot of pattern. That's interesting. Um, You're resisting something that you know is popular because you don't want your brand to necessarily be like typecast in a certain way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an interesting decision. You know, so it's keeping that big picture in in play also when you're 
doing new designs and putting them up on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. So how has it sort of evolved over the years? I mean, your company's been in business five, six years now. And that's fun, actually, for this podcast, because a lot of our companies um, have been startups. So it's fun to hear how stuff changes and how does your style evolve? And what are you motivated by? Like, I remember when I was first starting my company, Mrs. Vintage in New Orleans, I was really motivated by a job that I did not like. (laughs) And I wanted to get Mm -hmm. out of and I was like, I can't do this job. And all I wanted was to be successful at doing my own thing. And that's what motivated me at the time. And now I'm motivated by completely different things. We have a baby on the way. And, like, that's my motivation now. So how did how do you take motivation? And how has your motivation changed over the last five, six years of running this company? And then how does that sort of affect your design? Um, I really started out as a tea towel, graphic tea towel company. Um, Patro from Studio Patro means pattern in Catalan. Oh, okay. And... Um, being a graphic designer, I was really into designing these patterns that, and, and, you know, the, the whole thing with words too comes from my strong graphic background. Um, over the, what I, I know, the very first season we came out with the tea towels, I actually designed an apron, um, in one color, just in the white oyster linen to use kind of as a backdrop for the photography we were doing of the tea towel. So the tea oh. towel could go through a loop on the front of the apron. And oh, no way. Kind of just be there. But we produced enough of them that we could sell them. Well, after six years, <laughs> our, our apron sales are kind of passing our tea towel sales. <laughs> Isn't that so, so funny? And you could never have really guessed that. I <laughs> had no idea that I was going to be an apron designer. <laughs> Or and the, the aprons apron are so beautiful. I bought one at the Remodelista market, oh, thank and you. I bought a b- bunch of towels too. <laughs> and that's kind of how we found you. But yeah, I love Remodelista. Oh, I do want to talk about them too. <laughs> <laughs> They've been great for for us. They're, yeah, their local sales or even in different cities. But anyway, the, the aprons we've just expanded them for fall and holiday, and added like four new colors. Um, it it's just fun to see. I have a lot of friends who are food stylists, um, test, kitchen, test kitchen cooks, um, professional chefs, servers in restaurants, um, catering companies who are wearing our aprons mm. um, professionally, and then lots of home cooks too. But I really like the feel of them, the weight of them, how the lin- they're 100% linen, so I really love how that washes. Oh, good best yeah. my absolute favorite we have so much linen in our house yeah you can't beat linen uh-uh. there's no way so um uh i'm even thinking of for next spring i mean what's on my mind right now is designing even more aprons okay um, different styles we have two styles right now the kind of traditional bib apron and then a really long elegant um cafe bistro apron mm-hmm. But I Which think so we'll reminds me of San Francisco. I don't know why, but really? that long bistro apron reminds me of like the the great cool cafes and restaurants yes. of San Francisco. Probably goes back to the old, the great old fish restaurants or whatever you yeah. know here, and and having to wear an apron, right, um, out of necessity, not just style. But yeah, a lot of restaurant servers are, are wearing that long. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful on men. I actually designed yeah, it, it looks great. when I was working with a food stylist um, on a photo shoot who was a very large man. And he actually had to go to Paris to find aprons that fit him. And he liked the cafe style, oh, cool. uh, the bistro aprons. So I actually took his Parisian 
apron and measured it. So it's really wide. It's like 40 inches wide. Wow. And it wraps around kind of a nice big man or on a really small woman. It can look really elegant like a long linen skirt. Yeah, I love yeah. that. That's so cool. So in terms of like how your design has sort of evolved, you kind of, you didn't know aprons were going to be so popular, but you had no idea. saw that <laughs> and you loved doing that too. So yeah. you kind of added that to your line. And the flower sack towels, how did those come into play? That came up just because it's kind of the way I like to cook in my kitchen, is I always have a great big flower sack towel. I've had those my whole adult life. And Actually, even as a kid, that's what we used at home to help mom dry the dishes. Um, and I was finding that the flower sacks I was finding in the um, hardware stores, even um, in some of the department stores, were almost like cheesecloth, mm -hmm. um, and not so that thin and so thin, and, and they wore out. In them. Yeah, so I found this company in Michigan that was making um, these American-made flower sacks. That they have this one line called their deluxe line, and so I'm, you know, bringing those in as part of our line just because it's the way I like to right. cook. Right, something you really believe in. large. Yeah, they're lovely, they're really sturdy, heavy. The last forever. Yeah. And I love your design sensibility. Like it, it shows through on your website and your brand. It's very subtle, but like they use cloth, not paper. Exactly. And so it's like you are environmentally conscious, but you're also for like things that are really functional and really beautiful. Like that's all I want in my house. Is something that's the that idea. Works really hard for me and is also really beautiful. Yeah, you've just reminded me. The other reason I brought those in is I would I had friends, I'd be at their homes, they'd wash their hands in the kitchen or just rinse their hands off, and then they'd grab a paper towel and dry their hands off. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Use no. a towel. Yes. Use a cloth towel. Use cloth, not paper. So that became one of our mottos. I love it. It's really cute and cool. Yeah, and that was kind of the driving force also behind the flower sacks is if you just have one of those two of them, a bowl full of them on your counter. Right. Use them all the time. Yeah. And when you do the laundry, throw them in the laundry. Yeah, so easy. Keep them fresh. We have like 20 of those. Like my yeah. husband of all people, like I said, he is always finding really cool products. He was the one that started bringing flower sacks into the house. And like we'd always constantly have like a rota roting, rotation of clean flower sack towels. So I like saw those and I was like, oh my gosh, somebody's like selling these in a beautiful way. I was so excited when I saw and them. And if you spill something on the floor, yeah, you, you know, could just use mop them it up paper with towels. a flower sack. Yeah. You know, no big deal. Put it in the laundry. Cool. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit. Actually, we mentioned it about Remodelista and about getting into trade shows. And um, I know that you went to the Remodelista market because I saw your company there. Mm -hmm. um, how important is it to, for a business like yours to go to trade shows like that? And do you have any favorites that you like to go to? And how has Remodelista sort of helped your brand? Um, you know, Remodelista does these markets, they call, where they bring local people who are um, making products um, for the home uh, into these local sales. And for us, it's a great opportunity not only to just be part of the mix of other small companies making wonderful home products, but also to really talk to customers and get their feedback. Mm -hmm. um, it's always great to get uh, to learn from the people who use your products or who love them. So, uh, and it's just a great way to get exposure. 
right. um, within your own community. And I find they curate like the best group of people. Everywhere Ronalista market I go to, I'm so impressed with the people that they've brought yeah, on. Is it, they do. A what's great the job. process like? Is it hard to get in there? I mean, do they approach you? I've What's kind of word? known them since the start of when they were, I can't even remember how we got <laughs> connected, <laughs> but when they started doing their markets. And um, I think it was just from the start when I was um, doing some, you know, reaching out to blogs and publications um, to get some publicity for our products. And that's probably how I first met them. Okay. But they, they do curate pretty carefully, yeah. not only um, the quality of the products, but but just the mix within the show. Mm-hmm. So. Like they all complement each other and they all complement yeah. the Remodelista brand. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. And, you know, they have the perspective of just products for the home mm-hmm. pretty much. So yeah. that, you know, d- it, so it doesn't get into beauty and Mm-mm. jewelry and that kind of thing. Right. And it's not like kitschy, crafty, like a lot of these, some of these trade shows or I guess some of the, um, what are they called? Like the Etsy wholesale market and stuff like that. Some of them can get a little crafty, but Ramonalisa seems really classy, and the the vendors seem really high quality. Yeah, it is. Um, and you know they've been expanding to other cities. They even did one in London last oh, year. Oh wow! I, think. I didn't know that. So I'm not sure what their plans are now, but uh, they do. Um, they do a really great job. Do you have yeah. any other trade shows that you go to? Do you go to New York? Um, I have in the past to the wholesale markets there mm-hmm. at the in New York uh, now mm-hmm. is what they call it, um, and I've done that a number of times. Um, I'm not doing it this summer. We're just focusing more on um, our our business to our existing stockists um, to the trade, being kind of restaurants, caterers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our online direct-to-customer business, too. Is wholesale a big part of your company, or is that yeah. the majority is wholesalers? It, um, it is a big part. It's been a great way to get our product out there in the world so that people can see it, touch mm-hmm. it, feel it, yeah, see it. Um, I, you know, it's a real textural, um, really nice thing to see in public, or in, in person, not in public. Um, yeah, linen is that way. I feel like when you touch and see linen, at least for me, it's like, it seems so high quality and it's like one of those things that you really want people to sort of touch and see. Right. So when we're at the Remodelista market or another one that we've been doing is West Coast Craft. Oh, okay. I went to that as a buyer. Yeah. Um, and I find that the mix of, uh, of companies there is a really good high quality, Mm-hmm. Um, group, so it's it's good for the brand to be a part of that. Yeah, um, it's also just it's fun to get out there and connect with the public. Oh, sure. Um, and get that exposure that you can't get really um, very easily online. Right. Is there any other ways besides going to trade shows to um, gain like wholesale accounts and meet people like stockists? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think a lot of um, a lot of small stores from around the country and even around the world have found us through through blogs, through um, being a part of Etsy. Mm-hmm. We also keep oh, our you are on Etsy. On, yeah, okay. we are interesting. Um, and it's just been another way to connect with um, another platform. Yeah, it's more really people finding us that way. Right. Um, yeah, it's the um, 
the outreach that you do is just on many different levels. Right. There's not just, just one thing anymore. No. It's like you have to be doing kind of 10 things. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> You've the actually, entrepreneurial series of hats that we wear I know, every day. It's crazy. Yeah. You've done a really great job with Cultivating Press. Um, I mean, if I took a look at your oh, press page you. and you're in so many magazines and in so many um, blogs. And Oh, it's you funny you say that because <laughs> I feel like I'm in never in oh enough. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> That is why you're probably successful because the minute you're just like, oh, I'm doing good is the minute you st- probably stop evolving. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you have done an excellent job. I mean, I heard of your company before Remodelista Market. I had already heard of your company. So um, and, you know, I'm sure obviously thousands of other people have too. So you've done a really good job of getting that out there. Oh, have you, sub- did you submit products to um, like editors or do people just sort of find you from another blog and from another press source? It's, it's a combination of things, but we do, out, we do a bunch of outreach. Mm-hmm. And, um, we will, you know, send just a personal note and some photos to editors, um, to people we've met. And that was actually one of the advantages of going to the New York Now oh, Show. Oh, there was, was meeting, more editors. M- m- yeah, meeting the magazine people, especially on the East Coast, mm-hmm. where there's a, a larger presence of them. Right. Um, but, you know, I think one thing I've learned, if we just talk to them as people and show them what we've got, it either works or it doesn't. Right, just got to do it. It's not like everyone you approach or send something to you hear back from. Right. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's like being a writer and submitting your work and getting you know, dozens or more rejections before someone Latches reaches on. out <laughs> yeah. to you. Um, so it's it's not a real fun thing to do all the time because right. there are those, you know, those silent responses. Right, and you kind of feel like you failed or you're like, what is... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I, you know, sent out six letters and I haven't heard back from anybody. Right. But, um, but just taking that risk, like even though it's hard and it's obviously been so rewarding for you, like I think that's really important. You know, the other part of that is you need a lot of that all the time. Everybody thinks, Oh my gosh, you were in such and such magazine. And it's like, yeah, it was great for a month. I was going to say, like, how do you stay relevant? You know, cause magazines come and go like, it's great to be in Martha Stewart, but it's a How new about episode. Blogs? Yeah, and blogs are new every day. Well, they don't even last twenty four <laughs> right. hours sometimes. Right. But, however, it's it's odd. You know, people are. We can still track that through our website, and people are finding us from um, maybe an, an article that was on Design Sponge four years ago. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. So it it still works. You 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 can't. Right. It's always there, especially if you get is. on blogs. It is. So yeah. that's good. The magazines, though, is like it's gone. It's in print, and it's and it's yeah off the well, newsstands. But it's still it's still important, I guess, to it to is. try and get into those print. And magazines. it's great to be in gift guides. And oh. It's great just to to um, again get. It's just one of those other um, channels of getting your getting your product, getting your word out yeah. there. Since you mentioned gift guides, I actually want to talk to you about like this upcoming holiday season. How do you stay sane during like crazy busy holiday orders and, and holiday rush stuff? And what is your marketing plan in terms of like getting your stuff out there? Do you just target gift guides or do you have a certain holiday marketing plan? Oh, it kind <laughs> of happens <laughs> yeah, um, naturally, um, organically here. Yeah. 
Um, I do try to get into some gift guides, um, and you know, it's what now the kind of middle of August, and it's already getting a little late to get into print gift guides at least. Um, So you have to have product that already is made and photographed and ready to go. Even that's challenging. Um, We do that. We plan things like the West Coast Craft or the Model East Market. And then um, we have our own, you know, outreach to uh, stores that carry our product. So you'll Um, reach out directly to your stockist, too, with like a holiday marketing with a holiday man. mix or yeah. just our fall and, and holiday um, line, mm-hmm. the line list as we call it. And then we do our own marketing to our own existing, you know, direct customers also. Oh, like an email list? Or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, our own email list. Um, the other thing we're doing is we're planning an open studio here at our studio oh, in October. Cool. We had one last April. That Tell was, us the dates so that people yeah. can come visit you. Okay, it's Friday, October. Friday and Saturday, October, is it 16 and 17 or 17 and 18? Hold on, let me look at my calendar so we get this right. (laughs) It's a Friday and Saturday, two-day event. Uh, 16th and 17th. Okay, October. And so people can come down and shop here? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and we'll have, we have the studio open. We're going to have a couple of other makers with their wares here also. Oh, cool. All kind of coordinated kitchenware kind of a cloth clay and wood show oh i'll definitely need to stop by yeah so we have we haven't gone official on this yet but we do have it planned and um our second open studio and it's a lot of fun again not our our customers come in new people come in we really do a lot of publicity around that to try to just um, get people down to North Beach yeah. and into a studio. And is there any, do you have any tips on like staying organized and staying sane when you're really, really busy? I, that's when I'm happiest. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, true entrepreneur, an entrepreneur there are, you know, it was a good day in sales. Um, mm-hmm. I love seeing Julie, you know, pick up all of our packages and walk over to the post office yeah, to, that's to great. ship these things. Um, out to people. It's really fun. Um, it seems like it, it would be really satisfying. Yeah. And, you know, we have a lot of repeat customers, so we'll include a personal note to them. Oh, or we're doing so a little gift wrapping for them um, as they send it out as gifts. Mm-hmm. So there's um, – that's the fun part. That isn't stressful. Okay. That's, uh, you know. That's what you live for. <laughs> I think the only time you get really tired or maybe a little stressed is – the the schlepping to shows yes you know to setting up a booth and mm-hmm. filling up the car and being on your feet right and being there all day all morning day. to night yeah um, it seems like a long day every time I go to those markets as a buyer I'm like these people have been here all day yeah talking to so many people <laughs> really makes me appreciate people in the retail business yeah who day after day open their doors or on Absolutely. their feet ready to greet mm-hmm. ready to talk about Happy, their product yeah. again mm-hmm. you've said <laughs> it a million times time. yeah and it's they're hearing your customers hearing it for the first time and you're trying not to sound like a broken record yeah yeah, yeah. so th- then you're tired you mm-hmm. know you know it's go just home physically and go exhausting yeah yeah Get up, get ready for the next day. Um, But I really look forward to fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. It's 
um, a lot more fun than January, February. Yes. <laughs> we had a retail mind. store in New Orleans, too, um, similar oh, to Truck and Barter. Yeah. And um, we opened the first, like, three years ago in October, and we had no idea what was in front of us. Like, we had never done retail before, but we were just crazy busy from October to Christmas, and it was so fun. Like, Rob and I have a podcast on the show. It's called Meet the Makers, and we talk a little bit about the real busy time at the store and how we were together and he was working the counter and I was like in the back and it was just like the best oh, that's fun. time. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. And, and it was Christmas time and we had no idea what we were getting into, but it was like so fun. And then January came and we're like, now it's really slow. <laughs> yeah. That's not so fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's fun for me to, to work with customers that I've, that are new ones that have you know known for a few years now and to watch them even pick out gifts for people, mm-hmm. um, and then something for themselves, um, or them for them to bring friends up and say, "Oh, you have to have these. These are the best towels ever." Yes. Whatever it it's that's really gratifying. It it's reinforcement for you know what kind of what for you're doing day you're in doing. yeah day in and day out. Oh, yeah. good. Well, thank you so much for having me. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but I have a few like quick questions for you that oh, just. Real quick off the top of your head, and we were kind of chatting about this off um, air, but what is your favorite social media right now? Like, what do you kind of go to first thing in the morning? And then what social medias are you kind of turned off by and you don't really use? I love, love, love Instagram. Oh, me too. (laughs) It's like been the most amazing tool for for me to find makers. Yes. And it's visual and it's fun and you can just move through it quickly. Um, And I love the feedback I get from people Mm -hmm. when I post something. Um, so that's my favorite. The other thing about Instagram is I, you know, it's like, I want to go to Minneapolis. I want to go to North Carolina. I want to go meet some of these people that I've kind of met on Instagram. Don't you feel kind of like a connection? Yeah, it isn't, it isn't just virtual, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I really want to get to know these people. So, and I'm hoping maybe, you know, maybe someday I will, I'll get in the car and go. (laughs) Um, so that's my favorite. I think, um, I'm not drawn to Twitter so much because mm-hmm. even though it is more visual now, you can, you know, post photographs on it too. It's it just takes too much time for me. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm always confused of what to tweet because I'm a visual person like you. And so I understand Instagram like I'll take a picture and that'll be I guess sort of like a tweet. But then do I just for Twitter we're just supposed to write like a sentence? <laughs> well, I'm I'm very con- conscious of content. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like I'm making something up for Twitter. Right. Um, it doesn't seem as authentic. It doesn't. And and I kind of see Twitter as an opportunity to spread real information in the world that's that's important mm-hmm. um, from a content standpoint. And I, you know, I don't know that I'm a part of that. Right. So mm-hmm. it just doesn't interest me from kind of a personal or my business point of view, my business point of view. Um, Facebook, (laughs) we talked a little bit about this, is just um, not as much fun, Mm -hmm. not as effective. And part of it for me, this is a um, a very personal comment, is just the gray and blue, the look of the site, either on my phone or on my computer. It's just kind of ugly right. and busy. And, and you have such a beautiful product. You don't want it to be up on a site yeah. that doesn't look good. <laughs> exactly. It just yeah. doesn't complement my own personal branding or my company's brand. Right. Um, so I use Facebook. I don't. Yeah, we do you too, but we just, it's not. It's not. It's not a fun. helpful tool at no. all for us. Pinterest yeah. is fun. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't 
use it as much as I should. That's how I feel about it, yeah. which isn't great. But it drives a lot of people to us. It is, oh, really? Yes. Like people pin your products and then find your I have website? to use it better. I, yeah. That's on my list of to-dos. That's interesting. I know people, I keep hearing that over and over that Pinterest is driving product sales. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it is visual. Mm -hmm. so and it's it, really beautiful. If anything, it's so visual, it can be overwhelming. Yes. You have to follow the right people. Like, I feel yes. like curating your little group of people you follow is so important on Pinterest because there's so much out there there and it's so noisy right and but if you follow just like a group of like people that you're really inspired by your Pinterest boards can be so beautiful <laughs> yeah and it's it's the same with Instagram mm -hmm. you oh, can manage absolutely. who you follow and who you don't yeah it seems a little quicker and easier there mm -hmm. than it does on Pinterest yeah but that's cool. being very honest <laughs> good um what does a perfect San Francisco day look like for you like what do you do where do you eat where do you go um uh, well, in some ways, the perfect day for me is even walking to my studio. Mm -hmm. I live about two miles away oh, over cool. so over Russian Hill and out towards the Presidio. Um, so I'll even walk to work. Oh, um, I love that. But it's usually a day that also might be come to work for a little bit, walk over to the ferry building. Um, I love to walk mm -hmm. in the city. So This is such a great city for that, too. Yeah. Um, my favorite restaurants are very few they're kind of in my neighborhood or um, I know the people that own and, um, and run the restaurant mm -hmm. so it's a personal experience right um, that's what I love best cool. is really connect um, and eating well yeah <laughs> that's well, easy to do in San Francisco the best city for that which I missed so much when I wasn't yeah. living here oh yeah okay lastly where's your dream summer vacation travel destination um, maybe you've been what's there. What's a summer vacation? Maybe. I know. <laughs> I know. Do you have a down season? I was just thinking of this the other day because my daughter, who's soon to be 26, is going to be coming um, back for a visit. And I'm remembering our, our vacations um, on Chappaquiddick, um, a little island off Martha's Vineyard. Mm -hmm. And we went there two years in a row when she was when she was young. And those were just idyllic. We went with another family with small with kids. And it was just heaven. That was oh, that East lovely. Coast yes. kind of summer I'm, vacation. And they like summer. Like they literally go to Cape Cod for the summer. And we I don't know. do that over Who here. Does that? I know. I know. My friend was just renting a house for the summer in Cape Cod. And I'm like, oh. I'm really? doing something wrong. I know. It's, so it's funny when you ask me that question. It's like, um, you know, we've I've been lucky. This summer has been pretty nice in San Francisco. Oh, it's really and you lovely. can get really depressed here. When oh it's yeah, and no one foggy, understands cold that. Cold and windy, yeah. and you're wearing your down jacket every day in the summer. Yeah. Um, but it's been nice this summer. I feel like we've gotten. You're kind of at a. a you're on a staycation. Yes, here I oh, am. I'm good. on a staycation. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me today. It was really fun to talk to you Wonderful and to meet hear you about your business. And you guys have to look up um, Studio Patro online at Studio Patro P A T R O dot com, and she's on Instagram. Her favorite um, at Studio Patro, which is really pretty. You can see all of her designs and style shots and stuff like that. So I'm your host, Julia Hahn. Thank you so much for listening. I'm reminding you to surround yourself with people like Christina because you are. Thank you.